0: Guys, welcome in. This is the fourth episode of the Dynamic Dialogues Podcast, and you might actually be listening to this first, as when this drops, it should be Monday, the 16th of March, and there's a very, very high likelihood that you are going to be listening to this episode first. Because it's the newest one. So, that being said, I just wanna make a point to remind you go back, listen to the other ones. There's a ton of unique value built into each one, as there's a lot of different questions answered and a lot of different topics covered, as well as, of course, the first episode where I really break down what you can expect. And the next episode uh, will be quite a bit different from this one because this is kind of a special one where we're talking a lot about the coronavirus, what you can do for your training, what you should be doing, all of that stuff as it's kind of taken the fitness world and the entire world by storm right now because there's a lot of confusion and uncertainty and rightfully so. But before we dive into it, the necessary obligatory talk to my lawyer, so I have to tell you, I'm not a medical professional, take nothing I say seriously ever in any context, so long as we're talking about anything related to your health and medicine, but... Um, I got to say that before we dive into it because I don't want anybody to get confused or think I'm an authority on the matter, at least from a medical standpoint. But yeah, it's here. The coronavirus is affecting our lives. I've had a few clients who have been impacted, I've had a few virtual clients who've been impacted. A lot of followers reached out to tell me that they're either quarantined completely or their gyms have been closed down, so they're not really sure what to do. There's a run on toilet paper. I, I did, in fact, witness that firsthand yesterday with my trip to Costco that was completely bananas. Um, I mean, it was crazy. Like, people were stressed out. I even gave a guy two of the Clorox disinfectant wipes I grabbed because I figured, you know, those might be good to have around. Those are probably a valuable thing. Um and he was like, dude, thank you so much. I need these so bad. And I just couldn't get to them fast enough. I've got kids. And I was like, whoa man, yeah, definitely take them. There's a lot of people out there that are more stressed than you. You might be high alert, you might be low alert, but one way or the other, it's here. It's worth talking about. It's worth talking about how I impact your fitness. Now, not your health because, again, I'm not going to talk to you about that. So I'm not an expert there. But let's talk about what to expect with your fitness. Now, I've heard from a very few reliable sources that the big box gyms are probably not going to shut down. Unless it's mandated, because most of them cannot afford disaster pay for for their employees. I know that to be true for at least one of the big box gyms. Now I'm not going to name names, not going to say who told me this or what gyms, but that means for now, unless you're in an impacted area, you can probably expect your 24-hour fitnesses, your LA fitnesses, your Lifetimes, your Planets, all of these things. To at least remain open at the time of this recording until there's a government mandate. Because again, there's some insurance stuff that kicks in that, that may or may not. Uh, allow those companies to recoup some of the money they lose so but they're not planning on closing of their own volition anytime soon. that doesn't mean that it might not happen doesn't mean you shouldn't have a contingency plan in place if you want to continue your training, but it does mean that you can kind of take a deep breath that they're not going to close your big box gym unless they absolutely have to and they're told to because they can't afford to or at least I know that to be true of at least one of these big box gyms now, As for what type of training you may have to do, I do have two free bodyweight workouts available on my website. Go to www.coachdanymatranga.com, click the free resources tab, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and you'll see the newest guides. There's a beginner guide and an advanced guide. The beginner guide is for complete newbies, and the advanced guide has some equipment requirements, but they're both a kind of five-day, very well-blended, total body-based routine that'll allow you to um, really increase the rate of muscle protein synthesis compared to a split routine. And I think that these workouts lend themselves well to that. Now, I don't always recommend five days a week total body, but the way you have to train when you're training body weight or in a very rudimentary fashion kind of allows for a high amount of frequency because the volume and intensity tend to be low because there's just not as much of an exercise or equipment library. So again, those are at www.coachdanymatranga.com. Check the free resources tab. Get yourself a program if you're quarantined. Now, if you're not quarantined... And you don't know what to do, which actually leads me into my first question from at Happy Mess 31. He asks, do I think it is a smart idea to stay away from gyms? Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. I worked in commercial gyms, corporate big box gyms for almost six years. Okay, I know a thing or two about them, but more importantly, I know a thing or two about people and how they approach their fitness. And I will tell you that there are a lot of people who are incredibly neurotic about their fitness. They are obsessive, okay? They do not have anybody's interest in mind other than their own. And they're gonna continue to go to the gym, even if they get sick, no matter what they say. And that sounds pessimistic, it sounds rude, it might even sound condescending. But I am going to be 100% honest with you. I know some of these people personally, and I know some of these people from having watched them come to the gym for years that are sick. They're not going to stop coming if they have symptoms. They're going to tell themselves it's allergies. They're going to tell themselves it's the flu. You know, they're going to make an effort to continue their habits. And that's really, really unfortunate because it does put the rest of people, it does put individuals at risk, particularly because um, it seems that this disease. I don't want to call it a disease. This virus tends to be more easily transferred um, through particulates in the air, which would be increased by people breathing hard and training. And I mean, from what I've heard, it's a little bit less likely to spread from touch, but I wouldn't want to be sharing equipment with these people. And, you know, guys, you might even be somebody who yourself likes to train when you're sick and tell on. oh, I'm just, you know, it's just a little head cold. I can tough it out. Oh, you might be one of those guys. Now's not the fucking time to be one of those guys. Don't be a hero. Don't be a n- never miss a Monday type of guy. Those that's now is not the time for that shit. Okay, you need to do what's best for the entirety of the people in your community, not what's best for you and your gains. And if you've got neurotic tendencies, narcissistic tendencies, like now would be a good time to check that shit because you don't need to be going to the gym if you're sick, even if you have a head cold or the flu. The thing you don't want to do, like imagine just giving somebody a head cold right now. They'd be tripping. They'd be like, Oh my God, I think I have the coronavirus. So if you're sick, help keep everybody's immune system at 100 by trying to do some degree of social distancing and managing how often you go to the gym. My recommendation is I don't think it's a, a terrible idea to go if you're healthy. If you're in a community with a low impact level, like if there's not a lot of people in your community that have gotten it and you're fairly healthy and you're not at risk and you want to keep going, I wouldn't say not to. Um, You know, I would just say to be cognizant and be aware and if you're not feeling well, stay away. Continue to live your life to the best of your ability until we're told otherwise by the people who are experts on these issues. Again, don't let your ego, don't let your desire to train get in the way if you're sick, but don't completely upend your routine if you're in a community that's low uh, on that impact scale. If you're already healthy or you're low risk, I would say it's probably okay. What I'm doing is I'm trying to go to the gyms in my community that are less uh, populated. I'm very fortunate that I have access to the training facility that I train my clients at. I'm super grateful for that. And I'm also very grateful that I have access to Sand Strength Gym, in Santa Rosa, which has an incredibly low member count because it's somewhat exclusive, if you will. Um, And it's an absolutely fantastic gym, by the way. If you've ever seen my content on Instagram or some of the stuff I've done with Mind Pump on YouTube, you will definitely have seen Saiyan Strength. So um, not as many people coming in and out of there. The members have tremendous pride and cleanliness because they love the facility as they should – And it's just much cleaner. So I'm going to say in, and then if I cannot get to the gym at a reasonable time, I'm going to lift at the studio. I just don't see myself going to 24-Hour Fitness, which is right across the street from my studio. So sometimes I go to 24. Actually, more often than not, I go to 24 because I can just finish a couple sessions up, hop over, train for an hour, take a quick shower, and get back in for another session. Um, Because I kind of run a daylight-moonlight thing where my... AM schedule is mostly in person and my PM schedule is going to be mostly working with my clients virtually and creating content. Um, I go around the clock. That's what I like to do. But anyway, I'm going to be avoiding the big box gyms. If you have a gym access uh, membership like 24 Hour Fitness or Planet Fitness or Crunch where you can go to any of them, pick the ones that are less popular. I think that would probably be a smart move this time around. Or at least while we Wait for the dust to settle. So the next question comes from at RxMen, and he asks, When training multiple body parts in one session, should I do them all in a row or one by one? So first, let's give an example here. So training multiple body parts might be a push day where we go chest, shoulders, triceps, or a pull day where we go back and biceps. Or maybe we're doing a total body part split where we hit everything, Uh, in each training session. And there's a lot of different muscle groups going on. So how we need to look at this is first, we need to remember what we call the priority principle. Now this is far and away, I think the thing that most young trainers, novice trainees, people who are brand new to the gym, don't grasp enough. They don't have enough of an importance or they don't have a, at least by my perception, enough of an understanding of how important this is. So what is the priority principle? Well, it's essentially prioritizing movements that are going to lend themselves the most to your goals first and earliest in your workout. So for example, if your goals are maximum power, maximum power, you want to be the best defensive end in the nfl your goal is to come around the edge and just absolutely wreak havoc on the quarterback and to do that you need to be fast and powerful then when you train and you do resistance training it's probably in your best interest to front load your power training the earlier portion of your workout when you're the most fresh and have the most energy should be training the adaptation that's most important now that doesn't mean if you need hypertrophy you don't focus on that sometimes it just means if your goal is power You need to prioritize power. Now, if your goal is max strength, you want to be the best deadlifter in the world, you'd be foolish not to start your training sessions with deadlifts. This is something I actually see a lot of novice weightlifters completely neglect. They get way out of order. Everything gets messed up. So the last one, let's say it's hypertrophy. Your goal is muscle building. You better pick high output movements first, movements that let you apply a lot of tension to the desired tissue and allow you to overload it over time so that's something a lot of people mess up is the priority principle another thing we have to consider right is the mechanical demand of these exercises so for example squats deadlifts bench press overhead press pull-ups chin-ups rows all require multiple muscles and multiple joints working in usually one but sometimes multiple planes of motion that's a very complex movement it's going to burn a lot of calories it's going to take a lot of focus it's going to take a toll on the body you want to be fresh for these things More complex movements, more complex motor patterns should always go first in your training with the exception of individuals who have acute rehab work or are specifically looking to isolate a tissue for hypertrophy. To put it simply, big movements go first. Little movements go second. Compound movements that use multiple muscle groups, multiple joints, and sometimes multiple planes always go first. Isolation movements that usually use one joint, one muscle, one tissue, one plane – put those towards the end. Why? We don't need as much energy for the isolated shit. We need more focus and more of everything coming together and working together the best way possible for those compound movements. And again, the reason we're doing compound movements is in the first place is because they, they give us more bang for our buck and we want to be sure that we apply ourselves thoroughly in those areas. So it is worth noting some individuals like to use pre-exhaust or techniques in which they isolate one tissue and exhaust it and then move on to a compound movement. Or some people who are bodybuilding like to use isolation movements first because they're really targeting one tissue, and that is completely okay. Okay, Those are okay for hypertrophy, but from a general training principle, we want to stick to the big stuffs first. Next question. At JC Martinez 96 asks, he asks, tips for new trainers, sales, managing clients, how to provide legit value. So It shouldn't be a secret that it's hard to make it as a personal trainer. And the reason I say that is because 90% of trainers don't make it past the first year and 60% drop out each subsequent year. It's not something that people do very well for very long. And largely because it's quite hard to get off the ground and running. It's hard to get clients. It's a very competitive industry. Granted, there's a lot of people who need help, but there's very few trainers who are making six figures plus Uh, enough to pay for their needs, the needs of a family, purely doing personal training, particularly in person. And the reason for that is because it's tough. It's not easy to get off the ground and running in the personal training industry, and it's really hard for trainers at first, particularly for a lot of the things J.C. Martinez 96 is referencing here, sales, managing clients and schedules, and providing value. Um, Those aren't things that come naturally to a lot of people. And you have to remember that personal training is somewhat what I like to call self-selective. It's going to bring people to, it's going to, well, people who are already into fitness are going to gravitate towards it for a career path. And people that are into fitness usually do it because they want to help people not because they want to make money. So they're really resistant to learning some skills that will help them be successful. And that's unfortunate because it's impact, it impacted me early in my career and it impacted many of the trainers who I hired. They're just really resistant to learning these skills. They're like, oh, can't I just be a great trainer and everybody will show up? And it's like sometimes, but usually not. You need to learn some skills to help you. So let's talk about each one of these things. The first one is Sales. Sales is really hard for trainers, largely for the reasons I've already mentioned. But when you get a kind of cohort of people who are doing a job with the intention of helping people get in shape, they're really, really resistant to the idea of needing to sell. They're like, whoa, 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 can't I just train? Why do I have to sell? Now, don't look at it like sales. Understand this. Your job as a coach is a lot more than just guiding people through exercise. You're gonna to need to motivate people. You're gonna to need to inspire people. You're going to need people to buy in to the nutritional protocols and the training protocols you put forth for them to follow. And in order to do that, you're gonna to need to sell them on why they should trust you as an authority and sell them on why they should follow this through all the way to the end. Because you know what? It's fucking hard to accomplish anything in fitness, even with a trainer. And to get somebody from point A to point B requires some coaxing. It requires some encouragement, and it requires some buy-in. So before you even think about selling sessions, think about how difficult it is to just sell people on the idea of fitness. More people in this country are overweight than are in good shape. So remember that. The general population hasn't been sold on the idea of even being in shape, let alone following a resistance training program, macros, all this stuff. So selling isn't, isn't even just packages and sessions. We need to get people inspired, and that doesn't require a transaction. Okay, You don't need to get anybody to swipe their credit card. That's what trainers are so afraid of. You probably sell fitness all the time. When you talk to your friends, when you talk to family, when you try to encourage people, you're always selling. So look at it that way. And don't be afraid of it. The other thing, when it does come to like packages and sessions and online coaching programs, whatever it is that you're selling, try not to sell people. Try to prescribe them what they need and get and find a middle ground. Like very, very simple. If you want to lose fifty pounds, you'll be much better off working with a trainer than not. It's going to be about a half a pound to a pound a week in general, and that might take up to a year. Are you willing to come and see me twice a week for a year? Does that seem something that's feasible? or? Can we get you started on at least the first three months? It makes sense for me that you have somebody with you as an in-person coach or somebody with you as an online coach, whatever the hell you're trying to do, to guide you through the first, at least the first portion of this journey so that you have the opportunity to learn from a coach. You have the opportunity to gather some knowledge that you can take with you to become self-sufficient. You don't have to come with me the whole way. I don't have to be there. Maybe you don't want to make the investment the entire way. It's certainly the most effective way, absolutely if you could afford a coach all the way through you totally should hire one it's going to be so much better but if you can't at least hire one so you know what you're doing you have a plan of action you have some initial support and you're not going to drop out in the first six weeks like most people that's really what you're selling so just make the prescription hey this is what i think you need you need about this long to reach your goal whether it's weight loss or muscle gain ideally i'd like to see you x number of times per week How long can we make that happen? What's a feasible place for you to start? Is it once a week? Is it three times a week? Is it one month of online coaching? Is it 12 months of online coaching? What makes sense for you? Again, think about it like this. If you're making a prescription for somebody, you're the one who's going to have to follow through and do the work. You're offering a life-changing, absolutely life-changing service by working with somebody. And you can't put a price on that. If you find somebody who's in genuinely poor health, Maybe they're diabetic, maybe they're at risk for cardiovascular disease. Maybe they're obese. And you say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to work with you for, you know, $1500, 20 sessions or 3 months online coaching, 1000 bucks, whatever it is. And in that time, I'm going to change the trajectory of your life. And I'm going to make an impact so profound that you either continue to work with me because it's so awesome or you become self-sufficient, but you will forever be healthier. And I'm going to change this path of life that you're on from one of long-term decay to one of long-term health. There's no fucking price you could put on that that wouldn't be worth it. People need trainers, allied healthcare professionals, doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, people to support them in living a healthy life. You cannot put a price on that. So don't freak out about selling. The other thing is, don't think you need to do all your selling at your little sales desk area, okay? If you work at a corporate gym, you work at a private gym, whatever, do some of your selling on the floor while you're assessing people, taking them through their preliminary sessions. It's never a bad time to say things like, hey, do you see where this could fit into your routine? Hey, do you see why these exercises are important? Okay, do you see the value of having a coach explain things to you? Do some of your selling on the floor. Let people give you the opportunity to say, yeah, I could see why this is important. Oh, I should totally have a coach. Don't take them through a crazy session. Beat the shit out of them. Go sit down and be like, so how long are you going to train? Like that's never going to work. You need to take people through an experience That's indicative of a quality training relationship. You come in and just murder people and then try to sell them. That's never going to work unless they literally walked up to you and say, I want a trainer who's going to kill me, which not a lot of fucking people do. And then when it does come to selling, after you've made your prescription, I'm not even going to call it your pitch, after you've made your prescription, and this individual is sitting across from you answering the question of, what is the most feasible training program for us to start with, whether that's in person or online, and they're thinking quietly, you need to not say anything. This is the big bonus tip. This is the pro tip. Shut the hell up. Usually when people are thinking after you've presented a solution and they're quiet and their eyes are moving, they're thinking about how they can fit this into their budget or how they can fit this into their schedule. And most new trainers jump in and go, well, hey, well, uh, they'll start by saying, "Well, Sally, I'd like to see you two to three times a week for the first three months because that's the best opportunity for us to create a solid foundation towards your 15-pound weight loss goal." And Sally goes, "Hmm, okay. Well, let me think about this for one second. And then she closes her eyes, and you see her eyes moving behind her eyelids. The the you know the gears are churning in there, and then the trainer jumps in and goes. After a while, because they're thinking about how they're going to make this work, and that silence is awkward, the trainer jumps in and goes, uh, well, you know, we can even do one time a week or half-hour sessions. And then that person has no choice but to take you up on the offer you just threw out. You actually gave them what you thought was best, but while they were trying to make it work, you jumped in and short-sold yourself as a, as a professional, and you short-sold your client because you couldn't shut up and you got nervous. So when people are thinking, okay, Be quiet. I like to deliver it that way because the way it was delivered to me when I was learning how to sell was the first person who talks loses. And I just don't think that sounds as classy. I don't think it sounds like we're doing this for the right reasons. And I think when you actually break down the psychology of it, it sounds better the way I told you, because that's really what's going on. And then you additionally have to remember that as a trainer, you probably don't want to look at yourself as a as a salesman. Okay, so Managing clients. This is a huge one. Biggest tip I can give you, right out of the gate, cluster book. Cluster booking is very simple. Just means getting all of your sessions as close to each other in proximity throughout the day as possible. Big mistake most trainers make is they they just throw anybody on their session or schedule at any time that they want because they're new. They don't have a lot of clients and a client will literally say like man, I can't wait to work out. Like, I'm really excited about it. I, I'm I'm pumped. We just got some sessions. When can I come in? And the trainer goes, oh, well, whenever you want, I'm pretty wide open. Okay, one, that doesn't look too good. Doesn't imply a lot of value, okay? That's not idea. That's not a great idea. You're going to give yourself a lot of problems. You're going to end up with a 5 a.m. and a 5 p.m. Nobody wants that. And that's what most trainers do. So before you do that, just say this. Well, I'm glad we got started. Ideally, I'd love to train you. Say you have a 6 a.m. I'd love to train you at 5 a.m. or 7 a.m. Do any days of the week work? Why? Because you just want to put that person as close to your other sessions as possible so you're not going to and from the gym all the time. Okay? That's, That's huge. That makes this job a lot more manageable. Nothing's worse than having a 5 a.m. and 11 a.m. and an 8 p.m. A lot of trainers do that to themselves because they're afraid to ask their clients. If your clients are willing to work with you and they know that you're taking on their weight loss project, their muscle gain project, their pain management project, something that they have failed with, they trust you and they want to build a relationship with you. And relationships are give and take. So let them know. Let them know hey, you'd really help me out if you came in at these times. And they would probably rather do that and reciprocate in a relationship that's going to have a lot of give and take, right? That would be way more important, way more of an opportunity for you to connect with your client than just letting them pick a time. Because if they're like, oh, 7 a.m. helps you out? Yeah, I can come in at 7 on these days. They're going to be pumped. They're going to be like, yeah, help my trainer. I picked a good time. That everybody wants to help it help out, so don't don't think about it as a bad thing. If you recommend sometimes before they say either yes or no, if they can't, then then you pick a time. Okay, here's another one. This is a big bonus tip, especially for new trainers. Don't be afraid of working with seniors. Okay, they need the help more than anybody. They're usually not in it for the vanity. They're in it because they have a health goal that's really really important to them, and they want to improve their quality of life and what they have left. Those people are really rewarding to work with and they pass on a ton of incredibly valuable wisdom. A lot of people ask me all the time, how do you have so much wisdom and intelligence for being only 24 years old? It's because I like absorbed it from working with a lot of seniors. It's an incredibly valuable opportunity we have every day to talk to people who know more than us about things and we don't do it. We don't seek out expertise and that's something that a lot of the elderly population has. They have a lot of wisdom. And they're incredibly flexible, especially if they're retired. They're, they're clients that you can say, hey, I want to get a workout in. Can you, can you move up an hour? Or hey, can I move you here? I had a cancellation here. They're going to almost always say yes because they're very flexible and their training is really important to them. So that doesn't mean abuse it. It just means, hey, these are that's a population you might want to consider working with. Now, how to provide legit value. This is a tough one. But the best way to provide legit value is to be a great listener, okay? First and foremost, be a great listener. That's going to give you all the tools you need to understand what your client needs because they're probably going to tell you. If you actually listen, you'll know the value that they need. You'll know the areas they need help. Second is be a good teacher, Be somebody who takes the time to educate clients on why, talk to them about why things are important, and just be somebody who's generally more than just a workout leader or a cheerleader, okay? Another one, help them implement these habits you're building with their fitness into the other areas of their lives that they might want to improve. That's a really, really valuable thing that you can do, and it's something that a lot of trainers just simply miss the boat on. They don't really take the opportunity to express to their clients, hey, you know, we're working on this strength and balance. Have you thought about how we've progressed over the last couple months and how that might help you with this other project you've been talking about? Or, hey, you notice how we made small steps here and there? That's exactly like what you want to work on. Like take the opportunity to help people understand how fitness permeates every avenue of their life. Okay. Let them see how these habits will show up elsewhere. Another thing is become a nutrition expert. Get certified, get qualified to talk about nutrition and help your clients with nutrition. That's a really valuable piece. A lot of trainers don't have nutritional expertise and they can't provide value there. Nutrition and training go hand in hand. Nutrition and body composition go hand in hand. and Nutrition and health go hand in hand. So, Being able to communicate on a high level about nutrition is a fabulous way to provide legit value. Alright, so next question is from Adam on Adam Barbosa underscore fitness, and he asks: what initial functional assessment would you get a first-time client to perform? So to me, this really depends on where the client's at and why the client's coming to me. The advanced nature of your assessment, at least initially should kind of be something that the client can get some value from. So while as trainers, we might really want to know every single thing about every single joint. If a client's just coming to you for fat loss, putting them through like a full blown joint by joint assessment might like really put them off. They might be like, man, you know, this guy's hammering me about my like mobility, my posture and all this crap. And like, I'm just here to lose weight and this is like a lot and like I, I just wanted to come in and start working out and he's telling me I need to do all these mobility exercises. That can be a completely detrimental way to do this. So while we want to get there eventually and we want to always be assessing our clients in a pretty advanced way, particularly when we watch them move, when we watch them warm up, you don't want to overwhelm them right out of the gate with a bunch of stuff that's that might even like push them further away from fitness because they go like, man, this is way more complicated than I thought. I really came to this guy because I wanted to lose weight. And like within five minutes, he was telling me how broken I was. So I think your initial assessment should be more tailored to where the client is at and what the client wants to get out of uh, the training relationship than anything else. And you might even say like, hey, how advanced of an assessment would you like me to do? Would you like me to look at your motor patterns, like your push, pull, squat, lunge, hinge, carry? I can really get a lot out of that or we can go joint by joint and get more in depth and I can see, you know, what your flexion and extension capabilities are at your big joints, you know, what your uh, mobility is internal and external at your big joints like you do fun stuff like that and you can just make it make sure that they're involved with the process but that doesn't mean if you think a client needs an advanced level of assessment you don't insert it where you might need to like say you go really rudimentary and you're like hey I'm going to look at how you push pull um, squat and hinge, and then you get them on the push and things look funky at the shoulder. You wouldn't be a bad coach at all if you said, hey, can we pause this one really quick? Looks like something's going on with your shoulder. I want to take a look at it. Do you mind if I do some range of motion testing and see what your flexion, extension, internal, external rotation are? Maybe we have them do some FRC shoulder cars and scapular cars to see like, well, you know, your scapula moves really well, but it looks like you have some kind of blocking in that upper, like upper quadrant of your, uh, glenohumeral joint as you go into flexion you raise your arm overhead and you just hit a block and there's something right there in that upper range and that might be something we need to work on so you know not to scare you away I know you're here for weight loss but that's going to be a mobility thing we look to address are you cool with that and they might go oh my god yeah you totally added value I'm, I'm going to sign up for more I'm excited to work on that instead of like what many trainers do where they go Oh, man, you can't even do a push-up. That's a huge project. Come over here. I don't know why I'm using my Trump voice. Come over here. I'm going to take a look at your shoulder. Oh, my gosh. You have no external rotation ability at all. You're going to be a project. You don't even have a shoulder. That's something the FRC people say that pisses me the fuck off. You don't have a shoulder. You, if you can't do this, you don't even have a shoulder. You just have a bunch of tissue that doesn't communicate well. It's like, yes, obviously we know that. But good luck telling your client that and having that go well. Like don't don't demean them. You know, think that, communicate that with your other trainers. I'm totally fine with that. But I don't think telling people that their joints are like super dysfunctional is something anybody should be doing and most of the medical community is kind of aligned with that. There's a lot that we impart onto our clients' pain response or pr- training response simply by the way we communicate things. You know, you could say to somebody Oh man, you know, the MRI revealed that you, or the x-ray revealed, whatever revealed that you had arthritis in your neck. And then somebody goes, holy shit, that's going to majorly integrate into their pain response because pain is a biopsychosocial thing. It's not just what's going on at the tissue level. It's partly, partially what you're told, what your social expectation is, and then what's going on psychologically. Or your doctor can say, well, you have some arthritis in your neck, but it's really mild and almost everybody has neck arthritis as they age. And that's going to totally impact your pain response, 100%. And trainers are just as responsible for how they communicate to clients. So that's a really long-form answer, but your, your main things are going to be you want to look at how the big playing joints work. You need to look at the ankle, the knee, the hip, The spine, particularly the thoracic spine's ability to flex, extend, and rotate, the cervical spine's ability to kind of maintain some degree of neutrality, like you don't want it to be too lax so that the head flies up or too stiff so that the shoulders are just getting shrugged all the time. You want to look at the shoulders, scapula and glenohumeral joint, and that's usually it. Maybe some flexion and extension at the wrist. Elbows, generally pretty chill for most people, but the best way you can do that is look at a few movements at once. Look at them row, look at them press, look at them squat, look at them hinge a good trainer will be able to see everything they need there. and if you need to go more in depth, break it down and look at you know flexion, various degrees of rotation, extension, depending on the joint, you might have internal external rotation, depending on the joint, you might not have flexion extension. and, and maybe those are things that you want to work on. and just just play it by ear, but it, the only way you can do that is if you actually know your shit. So really do make a point to learn. So guys, that is it. That's episode four of dynamic dialogue. and again, Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is the first episode you've heard, I'm continuing the giveaway from the inaugural trio of episodes. We are going to do this uh, pretty simple. All you've got to do to get in on the giveaway is subscribe to the podcast, leave me a five star rating, and write a review on iTunes or whatever you know podcast medium you use, Spotify or Stitcher, and be sure... To share the episode to your Instagram story, tag me in it, and then I'll go through and check, and I'm going to give away two programs. So the inaugural episode, I'm giving away 10, and then two for each of these following. So there's 16 programs going out. A great chance that you will win one. All you have to do is participate by leaving me a five-star rating and review, write a review, and again, make a point to share it to your Instagram story and tag me. If you don't tag me, I can't see it. That's one of the frustrating things about Instagram. So, guys, as far as coronavirus goes, take care of the people in your community that need help. This is what I want to leave you with. We are probably young. Most of my audience is young. We are not at high risk. But people in our community are. And people in different communities have different levels of fear. It's time for the youth of this nation To step up to the plate here. We're not politically involved, okay? We're not socially involved. We're buried in our phones and we're not involved. It's time that we step up and take over. Let's be responsible. Let's support people in our communities and show that we are ready as a demographic to be leaders in the world and leaders in our community. I'm not trying to proselytize you or stand on a soapbox, but hey, if you live in an apartment and there's a granny next to you and she's scared because she's high risk, and you knock on her door and say, hey, you know, I know we don't really talk much, but I, I'm headed to the store. Do you need anything? That could be game changing. That could be life changing. The stress that could take off somebody could be huge. Call your grandma. Ask how they're doing. You know, if you know somebody who's in an area that's effective, just send them a text and say, I'm thinking of you. I hope everything's OK. I'm, I'm ready to support you any way I can. We need to come together right now. There's a lot of fear and there is a lot of uncertainty. And maybe this will blow over. We are, I'm sure we're all hoping that it does, but a lot of the experts are, are saying that we're in this for the long haul and this is going to be an issue. And wherever you fall on that dial, wherever you are on that spectrum, it's always a good day to be a good person. It's always a good day to be a leader in your community, and it's always a good day to put other people first, even if you don't think it's a big deal. Don't be the asshole that's like, this is all going to blow over. I'm really cool and tough. Like, don't be that fucking person, okay? Because nobody's going to look worse if this thing doesn't blow over than that person. Try to be this guy instead. Try to be, okay, you know, I understand you're worried. I'm a little bit more pragmatic about things. I'm, I'm, a, I'm hoping and I'm pretty sure it's going to blow over. But, hey, I understand you're struggling. Is there anything I can do to help? That makes a big difference. Hey, you have a choice who you want to be in every interaction. You have a choice who you want to be every single time that you walk out that door. And right now, I think we should be choosing to be leaders. We should be choosing to be compassionate. We should be choosing to be people who we would want to run into if we were struggling with something, right? Because we might not be at risk or at less risk than people who are older. And that really changes the way we receive things, okay? Looking at the TV, and seeing that older people are more affected when you're 25 is a lot easier than looking at the TV and seeing older people are affected when you're 75, okay? When you see that, you're going to respond differently depending on who you are, what you've experienced and where you are on that spectrum and you need to remember that. Particularly young people, I'm talking to the young people. It's time for us to step up and be leaders. All right? That's all I have to say on the net, on the matter. Continue to train if it's safe, and you you feel that the people in your area are being responsible. Practice social distancing. Go to the CDC's website, the World Health Organization's website. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to anybody who's not a expert on virology, infectious disease, all this stuff. Listen to the experts. Okay. Don't fear monger. Don't terrify people. If you're somebody who's nervous, don't spread that. Be a calm force. Be a leader. Let's we will get through this together. We will get back to training normally. We'll get back to making our gains. For the trainers out there who I know are affected, your businesses will come back. They will bounce back. We might be affected by the economy. But you know what? The best thing we can do right now is stick together. Support the people who matter more than money. Support the people who matter more than fear. Support each other. That's how we've gotten through everything we've done as a species this far, and it's not going to change this time around. It's always a good day to have a good day. Happy Monday. Thank you so much for listening. If this was your first episode, again, Shoot me a DM, let me know what you thought. Subscribe to the podcast, enter the giveaway, and go to www.coachdanymatranga.com for programs, podcasts, articles, and over 10 free guides just trying to help you be a better person, just trying to help you be a better body, just trying to help you be a better athlete. Have a good one. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Dynamic Dialogue.